You can see my award-winning climate comedy show spoilers at a festival near you, provided you live near or are going to McHuncliffe or Wells Comedy Festivals. More dates added soon near you, conceivably, who knows what might happen. And if you are at Mac, come and see ComCom Redacted live at 4pm on the Saturday. Go to stuartgoldsmith.com and click the very attractive banner image to find out more. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewellery. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. This is a podcast from ComediansComedian.com. This is the Comedian's Comedian Podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm Stuart Goldsmith and this is another episode recorded live at Bob and Misbehaves Bookshop at the Edinburgh Fringe 2014. This is the devastatingly funny Bridget Christie. Bridget, how is your show? How are you? How's it going? I haven't seen you properly in ages. The last time you and I had a proper chat was two years ago when we gigged together at We Love Comedy in Liverpool Street. And it was about two weeks before the Edinburgh Festival. And you were backstage and you went, Stuart, I've got nothing. I've got nothing. And then, sorry, one year ago, because that was the year you came up and then smashed it and won the award. Two weeks later. Well, I, (laughs) I don't think I smashed it. But yeah, I, well, I, I, um, I think I had a bit of the show, didn't I? I? I didn't have all the ending, but I think I had... Not according to you. You were like, I've got nothing, I don't know what I'm doing, I'm breaking it. Yeah, I, I do normally leave it... Like, I don't leave it late, late. I, I normally start writing them around uh, sort of May. OK. It's kind of late. <laughs> yeah, but... The world changes. I normally have like a, a few routines that, like, I could use, but then I, <laughs> I'm going to do the whole hour like this. <laughs> like, <really. laughs> um, I've I've normally got about fifteen minutes, ten minutes, fifteen minutes, okay. but then just from May hammer it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So where stuff are... happens, things change. Yes, and at least that way you get to be really current if you're writing the bulk of the show just before coming up here. Well, not just before, a couple of months before. I speak I as someone who too... starts writing in October <laughs> to try and get it done so I can have as many well, possible stabs at it as I can. I have thoughts all the time. <laughs> okay. Like, I think a lot. Like, owls, they think a lot, don't they? <laughs> Tell you what. They let... do, don't they? <laughs> don't they? I think they do, don't they? There's a do book they? about it. There's a, I've read it. It says, all owls think a lot. Yeah, I've, if you don't believe me, I'll go. Yeah. Um, How are you with the show this year? All right. It, it, it was not... Um, I had to redo the ending sort of pretty much on the way up here. Okay. 
because I got an email from <laughs> the Department for Education on when I and I thought, oh, that's relevant to a bit in the show, so I should probably try and work that in. But I didn't know how really to work it in. And also, even though I'd done a lot of previews, I hadn't properly worked out the structure of the, like the last sort of fifteen twenty minutes of it until really late, like okay. end of July, late. And so I hadn't learned it. But if I got the order wrong, the whole thing would fall apart. And it occurred to me in the first week that if something spontaneous happened in the room, I'd have to go all the way back to the beginning. <laughs> of the, you know, like when you're praying and you forget and you go, oh, our Father, who art in heaven. Do you have to go back to the beginning again? In order to remember it, you mean, to get the structure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'd have to go right back to the... You know, I was hoping... But not many people hackle at 11 o'clock in the morning, so it was all right. Yes, OK. And are you enjoying it this year? I did forget... I did have a complete blank in the first week. I had no idea where I was or what, what was coming next. How and did I'd you... I had to pretend that I was thinking. <laughs> so I went... Oh, that... Yes, that's an interesting thing, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Yes. <laughs> oh, anyway. And I, I don't think they noticed. Did you get away with it? No, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think... I don't think... Any, you can do it... You, you, um, I can't do that now, because this is... People can't see my face, can they? When they listen to this back. No, but I can commentate. Explain what I do <laughs> with my face. Yeah, no. But I know the show now, so I'm, I'm all right. I'm enjoying it a bit more. Okay. And is it, do you feel with this show you've set out what you, you've done what you set out to do? Are you satisfied with the show that it's a complete, I'm not saying, I feel like I'm implying it isn't finished. I'm not, I don't mean that at all. But I'm just trying to get a sense of how happy you are. Are you like, yeah, this one, done it? No, I'm never happy with anything I do. Like, I, n I never think, oh, yes, oh, 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 yes. <laughs> I always think there's room for improvement. <laughs> Because okay. then you tour it, and then it just gets better. The shows always evolve. The, they always get better the more you do them, unless something's gone really wrong. So in the, so, life, in the life of this show, this yeah. is a springboard into the tour? Oh, I mean, by May, this show's going to be great. Next <laughs> May. <laughs> and you're, Next I, May. I think David Trent told me that you're, you're planning now, from now on, to tour both shows together, last year's and this year's. Yeah, so the tour will be... A bit for her, edited down a little bit, so that'll be about 45 minutes, and there'll be an interval, and then there'll be this one. Okay. You're so if you don't like sort of what I do, it's your worst nightmare. <laughs> Just two hours of ranting. So let's talk about the starting points then for your show. This is your eighth show. Is that right? Um, cheese roll... Charles II, Charles II the Second, <laughs> Daily Mail, Housewife Surrealist, A Ant, War Donkey, Big for Her, Ungrateful Woman. Tenth. Tenth. Yeah. Tenth show. Okay. And of those, I think I saw A Ant and I saw Housewife Surrealist. <laughs> right. And I've seen the last two. Okay. And yeah. I remember in A Ant, you were dressed as an ant on stage in the little room above the stand, stand two. Yeah. And you were... It's a small room to be dressed as an ant in. Yeah, I did, it did occur to me when I, I thought, I've just got to commit to this now. It's, it's all about context, isn't it? I mean, if you... Uh, OK, so if you're 
in a massive theatre and you come out as an ant, people go, oh, I'm in a big theatre and there's lots of people here. That's obviously a decision and that's fine. There's an ant, let's go for it. If you're in a tiny room and there's no one in there and an ant comes out, it's probably quite intimidating. I would have less, <laughs> less comp, because it's not endorsed, is it, by anybody? Yeah, okay. It's just a, an ant who's not doing very well. <laughs> there might be a reason for that. But so I just had to commit to it, really, and um, not try and do it less, because the ant was quite an aggressive yes. character. It was basically, well, that was the start of me talking about sort of feminist issues, but I thought, well, people are probably more likely to accept it if it's coming from an ant rather than a woman. So, <laughs> listen, at that, in 2011, whenever it was, feminism was really not at all acceptable in, in any way, not even in comedy. So I thought, oh, I'll, I'll pretend to be, you know, an ant and I'll, I'll do it sort of like that. But then, but then I just didn't dress up as an ant. <laughs> the, 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 I'm just now basically the ant without the costume. <laughs> That's what happened. Just sort it's, of evolved. It's become more... You realised it would be more accessible, maybe, if they weren't thinking, why are you an ant? <laughs> Do you know what? Honestly, I just couldn't be bothered dressing up anymore. Because <laughs> I remember the bit... I remember the ant saying... You were doing a bit about how they don't... You never have more, more than one ant on a bill in a comedy club. Yeah, and there are yeah. special competitions just for ants, just for ant comedians. Yeah, just for ants, you know. And why do they always have to mention that we're ants in reviews, you know? You yeah. know. <laughs> oh, it's doing much better here. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> Where were you four years ago? Yeah, you fair weather feminist. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't... I don't know, I just, you know, you're already in absurd territory so but I mean a lot of people despised it like they do now what I do but I just thought yeah that was that was a sort of critique about women women in comedy but um most people got it most audiences didn't get it but most comics got it and critics yeah. critics that was got my it. experience of it at the time was I was laughing a lot and feeling a little bit self-conscious <laughs> Because <laughs> nobody else was. A couple of other people were. Yeah. <laughs> a couple. Yeah. yeah. In that 800 seater, was that? The yeah, one? yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. So let, let's. To, I, I'm really interested in how you developed from the absurd stuff that you were doing before to the stuff that you're doing now. But in order to to look at that, let's. Can we just? And this is these are questions you'll have been asked before about your origins. But can you tell us a bit about how you started comedy? How you brought yourself to it? Yeah. Well, it, I. I um, I always uh, uh, have worked, have had day jobs and things like that. So um, I, uh, I went to drama school and then I was an actor for a bit. But I, there's, there's, you have no control over it if you're sort of you're just waiting to be picked all the time. And I found mm. that sort of really depressing, and it didn't make me sort of feel good about it. It, it just it seemed like I was just waiting, just waiting, uh, just wasting my life waiting for people mm. to think that I was all right. And then I thought, well, if I could write something and then say it at night, that seems like quite an amazing thing to be able to do. And also I could keep my day job and pay my rent, stuff like that. So that's really what happened. And, and how would you... What was, what was the impetus to go into acting in the first place? What was it that drew you to that? Were you wanting to... Were you wanting, like, for crowds to be into you? What, what, what was it that... No, I'm, I, th I think... I've n never really... OK, so it was probably... 
because I'm the youngest of nine children. And um, I honestly thought you were going to say ants then. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, we're a very small family. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, we're very sort of Irish parents, a big sort of part of our... Uh, a, a big part of Irish culture is to sort of all sit round and tell stories, and especially ghost stories later on, or just, like, discuss things and all sit round. And pretty much by the time you've got to the, the ninth opinion on something... It's, you know, everyone's gone to the toilet, so no one <laughs> really listened. I, th I think I said when I was about four, you know, that I'd be an actress or something, and then maybe someone would listen. But um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I remember my, my dad saying that, see, he, he had some of his mates around once, and I was ignored again, and I was about three or four or something, and I walked, he had all his mates from the factory around, and I walked through the room and just said, oh, if there's one thing I hate, it's being ignored or something like that. But I don't know, if it, I don't know, I just liked it. Also, I thought, oh, all you have to do really is learn some lines. So I probably won't have to do much work at school. <laughs> <laughs> just learn how to read. <laughs> And uh, then I could maybe get my own house or something. Just by reading. That's a very honest appraisal of the desire to be an actor. I certainly, yeah. I, I, no. I was an actor for a little while, and that was sort of my plan. I basically wanted to show off, not have a real job, not have to get up early in the morning, yeah. and get money. Yeah, and get money, not have to really make much of an effort. Yeah. And so for me. I, I was... never wanted to be famous. Okay. It, that wasn't part of it, or, or rich. You know, that wasn't. It you was, just wanted to, to what then? To be able to... I liked expressing it? myself in unusual ways. Like, like w we used to do a lot of plays, me and my brothers and sisters and things like that. And uh, they never would let me speak because they'd always say, no, 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 you'll get the words wrong. So I was, I was always like a, an object. <laughs> but I would do that object <laughs> as well as I could. Okay. I'd be like a... You know, a box or a bush or a tree or a coat. And I'd really commit to it, you know. I'd be right, I'm going to be the best coat that's in this play. <laughs> you know. This I... suddenly starting to make sense, some of the things I've seen you do at uh, ACMS, <laughs> uh, the Alternative Comedy Memorial Society. I'm sure, like, within the last year or two, I saw you being... You, you had a green head with a swimming cap and you were being oh, a, pea a pea on a plate. Yes. Yeah. And you totally committed to it. I think you have to, don't yeah. you? you? can't just be half a pea. <laughs> yes, I've decided to be a pea, but I, I don't really believe in it. No, I think you, you have... If, if you don't believe you're a pea, then nobody else will. Drama training, deeply ingrained. But what was that about? I... Pea? Yeah, I don't was know. Is it something to do with my name? Chris P or something? It may have been. I don't honestly remember. No, I don't. I think either. the I've got the I'm a visual memory. Well, I don't know person. why I'm asking you. I, yeah, I, I mean, I if should I, know the answer to that. Yeah, there was a good reason. Oh, I remembered what Go it on. was. I liked the idea. Okay, it was it was a couple of years ago, wasn't it? Could have been. Yeah. Okay, so this was I liked the, <laughs> and it didn't it didn't I didn't do it in the end. I liked the idea of. 
being set up in the room for, in Edinburgh, because I think I knew I was going to be in the stand one. It's such a tiny stage there, and the audience coming in, they're really close to you. Mm. So I'd already had the venue, but I didn't know what show I was going to do. And the P was, I liked the idea of me being in some kind of seat-like thing where you couldn't see my body, but my head was there on the top of the thing. So okay. like in sort of a table with a black cloth around it. And my head, which was going to be a pea, would just be on the top. And then there'd just be a spotlight on my face. And I'd be there looking at the audience as they came in. <laughs> I mean, when you say it like that. <laughs> That's what I was going to do. And then I thought, but... <laughs> I've got... How do I then get out of... Just get out of it and then do a stand-up set? Or, like, how would that... How would I then follow that? I liked the idea of, as an audience are coming in, because it takes 20 minutes or half an hour, mm -hmm. of just me being... Of just my head being visible. At, you know, on a plate. <laughs> just looking at them as, it, as they came in. So let's look at the. We'll come. We'll, didn't re do it. we'll return to the. I pink. might do it next year. It's tickling this this lot. <laughs> um, we'll return to the the P and some of the more absurd stuff. But you were so when you decided, okay, acting is waiting around. What was the first piece of stand up that you did, and what was the what was your what was the beginning of, of that process for you? Well, be open. I think it was an open mic gig at the. Um, that massive pub in Clapham, the Alexander, I think. Upstairs. I, PJ, yeah. do you remember him? Yes, I remember Ran PJ. Ran a lot yeah. of gigs. And I... I, I His gigs were called the Comedy Stop because it was one letter above the Comedy Store in the, in the <laughs> listings. I don't know that for certain, but that's clearly why he did that. Yeah, I think it was quite tra traumatic. I don't really remember what I said, what I was... I, I remember not being able to hear my voice so I don't, I don't know what I was saying. Did you, had you written a set for it? Were you improvising? Were no, you doing I stories? No, I had some ideas. Okay. That I think I talked about. What, do, you, do you remember what sort of, what kind of, like, territory yeah, you're uh, in? Was it surreal um, kind of stuff, or...? I think it was a bit of... But I, I, I had this story about being at the fair, and um, this is a long time ago. And thinking that I thought that I'd seen my dad on one of the rides, but actually realising it wasn't my dad, and it was a fridge. <laughs> so, I don't think I ever did that again, ever. Were you... <laughs> and were you... What... Why? Why, why that kind of stuff? Like, had you seen other comics at the time? Had you, were you into comedy? Were you watching other comics? Because that sounds like such a different thing to do from most people's first gig. Do you, do you remember I, it being in opposition to an existing thing? No. I, I, um, I used to... I didn't watch a, a lot of... I didn't watch a... I, I watched a bit of stand-up, but not to see how I would do it. Just, I don't think you can do I think you have to do what you, what, what you think you would like to see, maybe, or I don't, I don't know. And back then, that is the sort of thing that used to amuse me. Okay. So I said, but it didn't. No one else thought it was very, 
in music. I did another... Someone told me as well that I was doing it all wrong because I used to do a different thing each time rather than try and work out a thing. Yes, OK, rather and, than and, have a and set, do that and you were writing it. new stuff for every single gig. Yeah, and then okay. not do it ever again. And I think I did that for about nine years. <laughs> 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 no, not nine years, but for a, for a very long time. OK. And so what's, what was the first set that you remember putting together, the first time it kind of coalesced into a set? God. I don't remember, because I, I used to do, like, characters as well. Oh, I think I did a bit about um, the cheese roll. The cheese roll, not a cheese roll which is like a, an old ritual in Gloucester where people run down a hill. OK, yeah. Yeah, but I used to do characters as well and other sorts of things. So I didn't really do stand-up full-time for a really, really long time, for mm. years and years. OK. Oh, and ghosts as well. I think I used to do some ghost stories. OK. So I don't, I don't remember a set because there wasn't a set that I used to do a lot. I don't... I, I think I used to do, like, just bits and bobs all the time. And were you finding that satisfying? Were you going out and doing... Were you getting the reaction that you wanted to get at that time? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so were you... Well, I mean, what... <laughs> oh, good God, no. Were you getting vastly underneath? Were, you know, were people kind of half going for it? Were people hating it? What do you remember from that time and what kind of action did you take? Generally not going for it for a long time. So how did you manage to keep doing the stuff that you wanted to do in the face of a negative response from an audience. Well, from that not seems very arrogant now, looking back at it. <laughs> <laughs> to keep doing stuff that nobody likes. <laughs> it's like in this mad, delusional way. Yes, you're all wrong. Um, no. <laughs> well, that's something some people are like that. Sometimes, you know, Sam Simmons, I interviewed Sam Simmons the other week, and he was talking about when he does stuff, that he does very absurd stuff, you don't know Sam's work, um, he was talking about how he gets angry with an audience because he's like, come on, this is funny. Why are you going for it? You know, so, it, it, you know, you, you did keep, you stuck to your guns. Yeah, but I, I wouldn't get angry. Like, I, you know, uh, I think I thought, oh, something's not gelling, but um, something's not gelling, <laughs> clearly. But um, I, d I didn't think that I should then not do something that I didn't like myself because so that other people would like it. Okay. If you know what I mean. Sure. But I do, rem I do remember... Okay, so I, d I did one tour where I was still dressing up and doing quite absurd things. And touring is really different from doing sort of circuit gigs because you're out on your own and it's pretty lonely and you're really forced to face yourself and ha really have a good, long, hard look at what you're doing and why, it's, why it not, might not be working. Also, there's, there's no other people on the bill or anything like that, mm -hmm. so there's nothing to fall back on. And I did think, I wonder if there's a way of sort of meeting this halfway, of doing what I like, but also giving them, you know, making people have an enjoyable experience as well. And, and which, which show was that that you were touring when you were going through that? It was War Donkey. Okay. I so, didn't see that one. What was the... That, were you in a sumo costume? Is that the... Oh, only for about a few seconds. OK, oh, that's all I've heard about that one. I didn't see that show. <laughs> yeah, I slowly inflated myself in a... Um, it, 
was going to be all about war donkeys because like what donkeys are used in wars like they and they and I thought at the time that they didn't get much publicity for you know it's all about horses and stuff like that and then um, <laughs> so I thought I'd be a, a war donkey for the whole show okay but then I th- I realised that uh, donkeys don't have a great deal but but so there's a lot of women have got quite bad lives as well so maybe I should maybe I should talk about women instead of donkeys because <laughs> they have quite a hard deal as well so, so but I'd already called it war donkey so I had to keep a bit of war donkey in so okay. war donkey that was the show when it changed when during it you went oh hang on yeah <laughs> yeah well I don't think donkeys are as important as women but I think they are important donkeys but not you know there's much worse stuff happening. Well, no, I mean, donkeys were strapped with explosives. Anyway, um, <laughs> so I thought, well, I've got to do a bit of war donkey. I've, I've still got to, because it's called war donkey. I can't just not have anything about war donkeys in it. So I kept that bit, about five minutes at the beginning, where I was dressed up as a donkey. But then when I went on tour, there was one gig in particular I did in Hull. And I was... I, I was dressed as a donkey, and it was in this club, which used to be a strip club. And I was dressed as a donkey, because I kept in the donkey costume for quite a lot. I was doing it. But anyway, this man, like, they hadn't cleaned it out properly, so there was still stuff from when it was a strip club around. (laughs) And I was on this stage, and no one had... There was about ten people in there. And then a really drunk man, because the toilets... So the bar was there, and the toilets were on at the side of the stage where I was, and a man walked across the stage with his willy already out going to the toilet. (laughs) And I was dressed as a donkey, talking about feminism, and I just thought... (laughs) I've got to try and find a way to make this work. I can't be in a donkey costume in Hull... The man with his cock out on my stage. <laughs> to where is this go? You know, I really, that was the decision. In fact, I, I'd sort of thought, I don't want to uh, really keep doing this. <laughs> so this is Bridget. She's absolutely fantastic. Uh, if you've not seen her stuff, as we mentioned, she's about to go on tour. Um, she's touring both of her uh, the last two years' shows. That's A Bick for Her and An Ungrateful Woman. All details are at bridgetchristie.co.uk. Please don't miss out on her shows. And I'd love to see both of them together. They're just sensational pieces of work, moving, warm, very funny, meaningful, and uh, just one of those shows that on... Of all the shows, you know when you're making a list of all your stuff you're going to go and see at the Edinburgh Festival, she's just one of those people that is squarely in the category of, oh, God, I can't wait for that one. Um, so, yes, one of, the, one of the very few shows in which I did not look at my watch at all, and those of you who know me will know. I mean, I'm not making any claims as to having ADD, but I will check my watch about 28 minutes into anyone's show. Not hers, though. She's fantastic and uh, completely gripping from the off. So uh, look forward to those. BridgetChristie.co.uk for all her tour details throughout September, October and November, I believe. 
Um, not going to talk to you much now. I know I often say that, but I'm really not, uh, not least because it's late at night. And I know I can only apologise that you're getting this on Thursday or Friday and rather uh, and not the, the Wednesday that you're supposed to be getting it on. I'm trying to stick to those rules for myself. Um, but, you know, come on, I'm still decompressing. Give me a break. So all I'm going to talk to you about now is uh, two things. One is on the 22nd of September, uh, Tom Stade is going to be my guest at a special live show in Wolverhampton at the Arena Theatre. Tom is going to do a set and then I'm going to talk to him all about what he's just done. Uh, very, like, very much like we did with the James Acaster and Gary Delaney episodes. Tom is incredible. If you've not seen Tom's work before, he's just an absolute born comedian. Very, very funny guy. That should be massive. And it's only a fiver. All details for that. Uh, you can buy tickets at the Arena Theatre Wolverhampton website. Uh, and also there's a, a ticket link up on uh, the Twitter feed at ComComPod and on the Facebook page, uh, which you can feel free to join. And as a little extra treat for Facebook page people to say thank you for all your, your comments and so forth. Uh, during the festival, uh, you can get a sneak peek if you join up there at the Phil K episode, which I'm going to save for release as episode 100 sometime in mid-November, I think. Uh, I'm going to give you a little peek at that now just to say thank you. So head, hurry along there and join the Facebook page uh, and you can get uh, a quick streamable only. You can't download it and please don't share it. Um, just for your ears only, uh, a little advance uh, episode. The whole thing, unedited, uh, with all the libelous bits still in it. Just such a wonderful interview with Phil Kay. So those things, 22nd of September in Wolverhampton with Tom Stade. Looking forward to seeing a lot of you at that. Um, I would imagine it's a small venue uh, in the arena and uh, I, there's every chance it'll sell out. Who knows, the Edinburgh one sold really well. Get in. It's kicking off, guys. It's bloody working. So jump on the website and book a ticket for that. Uh, and uh, yes, the Phil K one available on the Facebook page. I've also sent that link out to anyone that donated uh, over the last couple of months as a little thank you. So that is all for now. Let's get stuck back into the brilliant Bridget Christie. <laughs> When War Donkey was touring, what sort of size venues were you playing? Were you getting enough of an audience that that was... Was that like a successful tour for no, you? No, no. Not in any, no, not in any way. <laughs> it's really depressing. OK, so what stopped you giving up? OK, so somebody came to see that show and they liked a bit in it. And uh, it was Alison Vernon-Smith and then she commissioned a radio series... Okay. So I thought, I'll do, I'll do that, and then I'll stop for a little bit. But then someone said, well, it would be mad to do nine or eight shows in a row with nobody come. Nobody came to see me in Edinburgh, was making a loss. Maybe like 20, you know, there was people sort of had start, would slowly, you know, but not, not never more than 30 people, really, mm. probably 30, 40 people. So I thought, well, I should probably see if, if the radio thing has made any difference. Mm -hmm. So I'll do the, this one and then duck out for a little bit. Not forever, but not come, keep coming back every year. But also, because I was thinking of stopping for a little bit, that sort of liberated me from the need to be liked. Or perhaps, so I just did a show that I thought didn't really matter. And that was last year's show. OK, so, that, so the show last year, the one that kind of... I mean, I'm almost going to use the phrase catapulted you to success, um, you know, but it, that made a big difference, that show. Yeah, but it was the only one that I didn't really, uh, not, not care about. It's, I mean, I did write, work hard, you know, I did write it and work quite hard, but, I, but it was the only show that I didn't really care what people thought about. Mm -hmm. not, 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 care, not audiences. I didn't, 
Because, right, so in 2011, feminism was really unpopular. A few of us, there's been female comics doing feminism for years, like Kate Smirthwaite. Danielle Ward did a show that year. We all got really quite critical. Me and Danielle got some, you know, I got a load of two star reviews saying, oh, it's such a shame. It's not very good because, you know, it's <laughs> about feminism and all of that. And then, um, so I thought, well, if you didn't. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Like that one. <laughs> <laughs> You're really not going to like this one. I just sort of really went for it. And do you think, do you think there is a, a, a connection between the fact that you didn't care anymore no, or not, not, not care, but do you know what I mean? That, that experience you're talking about and the fact that that was the one that really took off. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I really do. Yeah. Because I thought differently about everything. So when you, were, when you started writing that show, with, from the, the starting point of, I don't care, I'm just going to do what I want. Yes. So what were your starting points? Obviously, well, what was the, the bit for her that then became the title in a sort of key section of the show? Was that the starting point for that? What were, what were the things that were on that first bit of paper for that Yeah, show. well, the pen bit was about a five, six-minute routine that was in the radio thing. Okay. And uh, I, I thought about the image of, a, of, of a, like a pen with my head on the top of it. <laughs> so that was... Very popular with uh, yeah. someone in the back there. Um, I mean, I'm sort of assuming that everyone uh, here and listening to this will have heard of that show and what it's about, but if they haven't, could you just give us a quick... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there was just some... I was in Ryman's and I saw these pens that were just for women and they, they went in in the, in the middle and they had like a rubbery grip and stuff like that. And I couldn't believe it. And I went up to the woman and I said, I think she was Scandinavian, I said, look at these, look at these pens. They're for, for women, they're, they're, for, they're just for us. How have they been selling? She went, well, we think they are stupid. <laughs> and she was in rhymes. I said, yeah, they are, aren't they? They're for her. And then sort of thought about this, the Brontes and all women who've, been writing through history so that routine and then so that's why I called it that then that routine was about seven minutes in the Edinburgh show and then all the other stuff came from that really and when but, you were just to look at that routine then if that had been in the in the radio show yeah. what did that look like what, what's the experience of you in the room writing that are you writing on a laptop are you making notes are you pacing around no ju- just a laptop okay yeah. and do you when you kind of had the premise of, okay, there's this ludicrous idea of a, a, a pen for women and the Bronte sisters, what's the, how do you apply yourself to that to try and find funny things in it? Um, well, 
also a bit, big part of like the pen thing is obviously like I'm not, I'm not that interested in gendered products. Like I'm interested in the sort of much more important issues. But because it's comedy, you have to have these quite banal things uh, to try and distract people from the other stuff that you're going to try and sneak in. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so something like a... I'm obviously not interested in pens, really, but I knew that I wanted to talk about other stuff as well. So um, th those bits I try and make as silly as possible. Okay. So that they make the other bits a bit easier to listen to. Okay. So, so in the example of, of that bit, what, when you say you're trying to try and make it silly as possible, that's something I definitely recognise in your shows. There'll be a serious point and then some really silly, absurd stuff. And you do, that, you do a quite a good job of sort of sending yourself up as well. You do a kind of a caricature of a kind of version of yourself. Yeah, an exaggerated version. Yeah. <clears throat> I, think, I think if you're... It's really important to me that, that I don't look like I'm sort of worthy or, or important because we're clowns aren't we? we're comedians we're not we're, we're supposed to be uh, we're not supposed to be i don't feel that i should be sort of that, that high status character and i should be part of it is me working stuff out as well being mm -hmm. this ex exaggerated character who gets angry about these things that aren't really that but not really angry about those sure. things i'm angry about the other things but it's much easier to laugh at someone who's in a rage about like a lolly or a pen or something, rather than looking at someone who's really angry about something that they should be angry about. That's just a bit uncomfortable to watch. Okay. And is that, is that knowledge, is that born of just, that just makes sense to you? Or is that from having tried stuff in the past where you were getting actually angry? Do you see what I mean? Well, how did you happen upon that? Is that just like from the first time you approached No, just those from kind of thinking subjects? of it. I, I don't want... Uh, <clears throat> I mean... I don't want to. I, I'm, tr I'm trying to distract people from the serious things. So, um, if you're so now that I don't dress up anymore, now that I'm not an ant or a dead king, I have to do that in another way. And another way is by making myself ridiculous. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So when you're when you're marrying those things together, what's the what does the editing process look like? Did you have stuff for last year's show or for this show that you didn't include, that it wasn't working, or can you give us an example of something you might have cut out <laughs> so we can get an insight into, into how it looks like when you're assembling the stuff? Yeah, so there'll be things that I want to talk about, and I'll be thinking about those things in maybe sort of October, November. So like, these are the things I really want to try and talk about. Then I'll, I'll sort of think about them and think about them. And then I'll think, well, how can I talk about those things? So I often start at the end of a show and work backwards okay. from there. So the things that I really want to talk about, I will try and put much later on in the show, like about 40 minutes, 45 minutes in, so that they've got to know. Like, there's stuff that I would do in an hour that I would never, ever, ever do in a set. Okay. Like a and in fact, what's happened in the last couple of years is that I'm always dying now when I'm on a bill. <laughs> Okay. Like, more often than not. Okay, because you're talking about stuff you want to talk about and it doesn't seem appropriate in a kind of... It's not... It's not, it's not, it's not it, it doesn't work in short sets or out of context. Okay. Unless I really, like, think about, oh, that could be a 10-minute bit or a 20... But, but those are the bits that I'm not 
that can, that emotionally connected to. So in terms of, a, of an hour show then, so I'll think, right, I want to talk about that and that. How, how do I lead up to that or how can I hide that? In a bit for her, it wasn't really uh, as structured. It was pretty much one routine followed on from another. Mm -hmm. There was nothing really very serious until right at the end which was about Malala. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of it was, oh, pens, silly sportsmen, uh, attitudes towards women and feminism, but nothing really quite horrific that needed to be hidden mm -hmm. within. So with this one, I wanted to talk about female genital mutilation and something that I read in The Guardian, which was anti-rape pants. Mm -hmm. But I didn't know if I would be able to, so I spent the sort of a whole year trying to figure out how I might be able to do those, talk about those things, but talk around them, not talk about. And so certain things happened, and then, um, and all the, the the first half hour of the show <coughs> then came from working at the end of the show. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And you, something you said uh, during the the show, this year's show, is uh, you were talking about Steve Davis. And yeah. you refer to a, a comment he made about women not having the, the I don't remember the phrase. The mental the... focus to be able to push a ball into a hole using a stick. He didn't yes. say that, I said that. He said yeah. play snooker, which is, that is what snooker is. Yeah. <laughs> and then you, what I what really I thought was very funny was that you said he also said a lot of other nice stuff, but that doesn't fit into the narrative I'm trying to make. <laughs> well, not a lot of nice stuff. No, okay. He well... just said uh, they've got better things to do with their time <laughs> than spend nine hours a day practicing it, and perhaps that's the real reason why they weren't very good at it. But he still said that we weren't very good at it. But, yeah, it's just... It's just um, taking the curse off it a lot, if you know what I mean. It's still... I've got to remember, it's got to be funny first. That's the most important thing. They've got to be laughing. Sorry you've not been laughing <laughs> very much. In the, um, uh, if got, it's got to be funny first. That's always my... F you know, how can I make a joke out of this? Okay. Yeah. So when you're putting this, when you're putting the material together, are you researching? Once you've got the bit between your teeth, do you then presumably research around the subject? Like at one point you mentioned a four thousand page report that then had a you know particular one sentence in it. Yeah, one yeah. sentence in it. So yeah, did yeah. you? I just wondered at the time. Did you read the entire report in order to find that? No, that was that. This went just absolutely insane. The the abuse that Rashi Dimanju had mm. when she came here and published that report is that one line. And the um, uh, uh, her her predecessor, the last time she came here and wrote a report, she also was uh, the subject of an inordinate amount of abuse okay. uh, by. Uh, by uh, the British media as well, and press and men. So it was that one sentence taken out of context. Okay. Uh, and just, uh, she was just, it was just incredible, yeah. But, um, yeah, every, everything that I say has been really carefully sort of thought about mm -hmm. and researched, because, you know, quite... Some, some, something might happen in the room. You, know, you, you need to know, you, you need to have quite a robust argument. It needs to make sense. It needs to make sense. As in well. order that you can be silly about it yeah. as well. Presumably, yeah, yeah. You, need to, you need to know exactly what the yeah. point is that you're arguing so yeah. that you can then take it out of there. Exactly. So, do you, <coughs> do you have a favourite bit to perform in terms of like the pleasure of performing and getting laughs from people? Do you have a favourite bit from, from this year's show? Um, no, <laughs> no, not not um, a favourite bit. I, I like I like the end routine where I'm talking about a yoga advert 
audition, but I keep coming out of it to talk about different things and then getting back into it. I like it when I get back into it. Okay. So I like it when I end the thing that, that I like deviating from the thing and then coming back in. Why is that? Why is that particularly appeal to you? Um, because uh, it's nice when they see what I've done. Okay. Sometimes they don't. Really? No. Today they didn't really <laughs> know what was happening. But that was still amusing to me because I knew where I was going. Okay. I knew that they'd get there eventually. At the end. So do you, I mean, did you, am I right in thinking you sold out the run before you started the run? Yeah. I can't believe it, really. Why yeah, can, you not, why can you not believe it? Well, because I'm not used to it. I, I'm much more comfortable if there's just a few of us in the room. That's <laughs> <laughs> my natural, that's what I feel most comfortable with. Okay. So, but yeah, you obviously aware at, at at the moment you are kind of in the ascendancy. Would you say I don't, that no, you're, I that you're say that. you're growing an audience? Surely, you, I mean, you are you're you're <coughs> well, you sold out your run before you started. Your audience is coming to see you. Well, in Edinburgh. Okay. But I'm not sure what will happen on tour. You don't think don't, Edinburgh is sort of a, a benchmark for? No, I think it's really different. And, I, and I also, because I've been coming here for 10 years as well, and it's lo like slowly, slowly built. But I think once you get out, out and about, well, we'll see. I'd be very surprised if they came. Would you really? I don't yeah, understand I why. There's a, huge, there's a huge amount of kind of column inches about you, and everyone's come and reviewed you, and it's... Do you know what I mean? It's, I, I, it's, it's, it, feels, it looks from the outside like it's really gathering momentum, like what you do is really now, you know, being accepted and... People are excited about it and buying tickets in advance. Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't it's feel funny, like that from inside. Well, I think uh, the perception of ourselves is much different to other people's perception of ourselves. I, I will. I find it very hard to get because it's only been a year, really, that people have started coming and talking about and reviewing me. Mm -hmm. So I'm not used to that yet. In my mind, I'm still who I have been for the past eight nine years. Okay. But I don't see myself as. Any differently, that's why I'm surprised when sort of people come and people say, oh, people are, you know, writing about you. And I don't, it, nothing's changed for me the way I feel mm. about myself. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So I, I'm constantly surprised all the time. I'm sort of, oh, like, who are you, for example? <laughs> like, you've come to see Stu, you know, but I, yeah. It will take a few years, I think, to get used, because it's only been a year. Okay. So it'll take a few more... I think it's too early to tell. Okay. okay. So, for example, the last show did quite well at the Soho Theatre last year. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so some people said, oh, well, maybe for your next one you should maybe see if you do a bigger room and less nights. But I wasn't comfortable with that because it's only one year. I think a year is too early to tell whether mm -hmm. those people were... I didn't know whether they came because I had a good year or what... But I think maybe after another few years, then we'll be able to tell that it's okay. not just a blip. Sure. When you're, when you just, we're talking about people writing about you and that kind of critical mass. And a, I didn't mean that in a punning way, but the, you know, the there are also you lots of critics love what you do. You're getting great reviews. Do you read any of the reviews? Not, not generally while I'm up here, but um, like people text you and stuff. I, I thought that. Um, I thought that I should come back straight away 
from from last year because mm. but because I'm a stand-up anyway and a working stand-up and that's what I want to do and I want to tour so I should come back anyway but I did think that coming back the following year that they might it might not be good for me in terms of what the press said but I just thought I had to just get on with it how do you mean in terms of well, there being a you know a... It took 10 years to find her voice and a year to lose it you know all that sort of thing <laughs> you know well, I mean that when, said... when you say that sort of thing that's not an actual quote that anyone said that's you imagining what they would <laughs> I mean, yes, I'm just thinking yes, that's, a, that's one of mine. That's a very. I put that, I put that on my own poster <laughs> to preempt them. But do you see what I mean? That's a very specific piece of kind of self-criticism of kind of. No, imagine- but the, there's the narrative. You know, like journalists have have like we have. I think sometimes I don't know. I thought that that you know. I mean, I did work really, really hard on this show because then I thought at least they won't be able to say that I've not put the hours in because I did. I mean, it really. But I thought that that it might be, and also I also knew that feminism probably wouldn't be that trendy again this year, which it isn't. Like, there's not been as as there been much talk about it. It was like, oh, 2013, the year feminism. For, oh, so there's been nothing. So I thought they'd say, oh, that's really that year. She's doing this again, which I find quite amusing, actually. Yes, the I idea mean, a- that it would just be there for one year and then. We've, we've dealt done, with this now. We've done that now, yeah. yeah. So I thought that might be part of it as well. Um, so a few people have said, oh, you know, have you got, got, you, you're doing what you've done, you know, it's fine this year, you've, you've got away with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's fine. And then, so I thought, well, let them say what they say, you know, because they will um, talk about the show last year because mm-hmm. it won the award. And, and then if I could just get all that, out of the way as quickly as possible and just move on. So next year, you know, it, it won't be relevant anymore. So, but I, but I don't know what... But, yeah, I think it's been fine. Okay. If year. you were to review yourself, what do you think, like, from an objective <laughs> kind of point of view, what sort of things do you, do you feel that you're... This is kind of what I was kind of grasping at earlier on about asking you satisfied with the show. Are there elements to your practice as a comedian that you feel like, I wish I was a bit better at that element of it, or...? Yeah, all of it. <laughs> <laughs> how, how can that be the case when you're doing so well and being so funny? But that's, that's your... That's but I've seen you be really, really funny to a big room full of people who were all laughing. Well, you came on a good... You didn't come, you didn't, you didn't come today. <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't know. I don't, I, it's, not, it's not for, for me... It's, you know... It's difficult, isn't it? Are you wary of, of not wanting to blow your own trumpet or something? I sort of, you, you seem hesitant or unwilling to, to entertain the notion that you might be good at stand-up comedy. No, I think I'm getting better, but actually, really honestly, I think I only started to work out how to, how, how to do it last year. I think I only really started properly doing stand-up last year. So to me, I've just started. Okay. That's how I feel. In, I'm, um, I'm thinking about what I might be doing in sort of 10 or 15 years' time. Okay. I'm not thinking, get <laughs> pretty bloody good, Chris. I'm not, I'm not thinking about it at all. No, not not at all, not at all. So what what kind of principles then did you learn last year that you went, hang on, I think that might be onto something? Can you kind of... Well, the first thing was, I suppose, confidence to say things that I thought and believed in, whereas because I did a lot of character stuff before and talked about things that uh, weren't my own opinions or that I thought were important or passionate about. 
So the, conf the, the having the confidence to be able to do that sort of freed me up a bit. Mm -hmm. So that might, you know, free me up to do other things in the future. Okay. C you know, come at things from different angles or... And do you have any, do you, have, do you feel like you have a kind of a, a toolkit of ways to attack a subject from lots of different angles? Um, I don't know. I, th I think I'd like to do a show where I didn't speak at all. <laughs> well, I, I'm not going to do that yet because I've only just worked out how to sp speak. speak. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to just chuck that in straight away. But, I th but it's so open, isn't it, stand-up? It can, it can be anything. Like, it, 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 can, it can be anything at all. That, that's what I find really quite interesting and amazing mm. about it, is that it can, you can do anything with it. And that was the thing about getting rid of all the props and costumes when I was on tour. It's like, oh, I wonder if I just had a microphone, what can I do if I've just got a microphone? Like, what can I do with my voice and my body and my material? Can I replace all that other stuff with all this other stuff? And also having to write a radio series where it's all about the writing mm. and how you say stuff and all of that, that made me think, oh, I should probably have been writing material before. <laughs> you know, and then... Okay. Yeah, and, and also, I suppose, what can you talk... You can talk about anything, can't you? You shouldn't be afraid of subjects or anything like that. That's what I thought about with this show as well. There shouldn't be anything that you should shy away from. Is there a way to make those things accessible in, a, in this sort of an environment? And how do you do that? That's really interesting to me. Just briefly, I mentioned we've been videoing a lot of these and yeah. uh, I always forget to ask my guests if they're okay with being videoed. And I asked you just before we started and you said you're actually trying to remove or you have removed all trace <laughs> of you from like YouTube, from, from public domain. And I just would be interested in, in where that comes from and what, what the thinking is behind that. Um, I've, I, I really like the idea of that, of, of, of me being like a live act that you come to see. I, I don't like the idea of me sort of um, split up into little... I don't know. I, I don't really want to exist on the internet. <laughs> okay. In, in, I, don't, I don't like things of me. I, I, I like the idea of going around the country doing gigs and people seeing me live. Yes. I don't, I don't... And do you feel that, like, the internet, that kind of just takes away the specialness of it, or it... I don't think you can get a feel for what someone does if you see a little... I don't know. It's just what I... I would love for there not to be any, like, a photograph or anything. I mean, but that's not going to be possible. But, I just, yeah, I just like that idea. I don't like loads of bits of me in different places out of context. And That's quite unusual, do you it? think? Is it? Well, maybe, it? maybe amongst it? comedians, it? maybe it's, maybe that, yeah, maybe it's usual, but it's, it's overridden by people wanting to be seen that, or that, people wanting to market. There is a that, you know. which is what people say, well, you know, you might get more work if people could see what you did easily. Mm -hmm. But I'm not sure that I want a lot of work anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I've been trying to get out of not working. <laughs> I would really like to not, not work. <laughs> no, I, like, not, not work, you know. I, I do enjoy it, but you know, just 
you know, I don't know. Is that, is it weird? Is that weird then? It's not, it's not weird, but it's a, it's a very specific choice. The only other comic I can think of uh, who does something like that would have been Eddie Izzard, you know, 20 years ago when he said, I'm not doing TV. If you want to see me live, you've got to come and see me live. Which no, I don't, I mean, I've, I've not spoken to about it, but maybe it's a, that was kind of a marketing strategy. But I've not really heard of anyone else kind of just kind of guarding their. I, no, video I mean I've done TV. Life. I mean there's there's stuff of me on the on TV out mm-hmm. there. That's the stuff I've not been able to take down because <laughs> they they wouldn't let me. But <laughs> I, I don't know. I just I just okay. don't like the idea the idea of. Um, People watching me <laughs> on, on I, I don't know. I, I, don't, okay. I think it's little bits and bobs all over the place. I'm not that keen mm. on. Okay. Um, we'll go to some uh, audience questions just for the last couple of minutes before we wrap up. That was for newer comics trying to write about serious subjects. For example, how do you make FGM funny? Well, you, you, don't, you don't make uh, the thing funny. You try and find a way to talk around the thing and make the thing around the thing funny. So uh, with something like uh, uh, FGM, uh, it's... Ha- have you got... Are you involved in that subject? And, I, and, I, and can you put that subject... Can you displace it? So can you put it somewhere else? So, for example... Um, uh, the way I talk about it is um, I was making a short film to raise awareness for it, but the way that I got the money to make that was by going on ITV1 Celebrity Squares with Warwick Davis. So I talked about that experience, uh, not actually about FGM. Mm. So you, you try and find ways... You, you, you put the subject into something else, basically, and try and talk around it. But I wouldn't have tried to talk about it, uh, you know... When I was an open mind, <laughs> but I wouldn't have I wouldn't have known how to probably how to talk about stuff. But I don't think people should be put off from trying to talk about serious things. <clears throat> Just finding a way of doing it and having the confidence to talk about it as well. Yeah. Okay. Thank so. you. Any others? What do you think about the competition within comedy for EG TV spots? I'm not aware of. I, I think we're all so different and. Uh, Individual that I I don't see us as, uh, as competing against each other, I don't I don't see that at all. And the circuit is actually quite there's a lot of camaraderie amongst us, and we're all sort of mates. We see each other at all. I'm not sure that that we are competitive. With I think I think there's a place for everyone, isn't there? Do Do you think that we're all fighting for places on? There is, I um, think. I, I'm not sure. There's, there's a, there's a sort of career. Tr- tr- I don't there's know, I think the there's illusion pl- of there's one. There's not a plan. Yeah, there there's may be the, the illusion, illusion of, of a career ladder. Yeah. I think, and some people get very frustrated when it turns out to be an illusion, or when they don't realise it's an illusion. Yeah. Because I think it, comedy starts you off kind of going right. You're an open spot, and then you get a couple of quid to go on in the middle, yeah. and then you get a couple of quid to open, and then you get maybe paid decently to compare, and and then you're headlining, and then just as you're headlining, going this is great, suddenly you get overtaken, uh, overtaken as if that's a thing, um, yeah. by someone who started more recently than you that now has a spot on a TV panel game, and I think yeah. it's easy for people maybe more in the kind of maybe more in the sort of club circuit that you yeah. wouldn't play so often. Yeah. Maybe there is that, but I I don't know. I think there's a I think there's a place for everybody, and I 
I, d I don't think you should try and have a sort of a game plan because mm. that's like it's just sort of like playing the lottery. I think you should just do what you want to do and see what happens, and actually, or do the opposite: try and be really unpopular and bad and not get any work, <laughs> and see if that works. <laughs> which is what I did. <laughs> don't, don't tell anyone. No. <laughs> yeah. No. I just do what you do, I think, and not... I don't think... Do you think we're competitive? No, I don't think that we as a community are competitive, but I think there is competition within the community. There are certainly people I, I certainly know of, and they are in the minority, yeah. but I certainly know of comics who would kind of sneer and go, why haven't I got what that person's got? And I think that a lot of comics, you know, in, in the sort of in your most horrible, greasy little secret moments, you might go, oh, I wanted that, and I didn't get it. Yeah. I think that's Yeah, maybe. Fair. There might be a few people thinking that today when the, they weren't on the shortlist. Maybe. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And you I, can't control things. The reason you shouldn't try and plan things and think about things like that is because you have absolutely no control over them whatsoever. Mm. So you can't... You have to try not to be upset about things you can't control mm. and be upset about things that you have, do have control over, which is putting work into your your own stuff. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So you can't, you can't control it. Would you rather be trying to convert a crowd that were difficult and didn't agree with you or getting the work done that you wanted to do in front of a crowd of people who were going for it and on side? Um, it, it's, um, it's very satisfying if you're not doing very well. They, well I don't know. I, I enjoy all different types of Gigs. I mean, you could be going down badly for all sorts of different reasons. Um, I don't. I, I don't know. I don't know if I, I'm not trying to convince people to think the way that I think. I, I, I don't think I. I'm do. I, I don't think I. I'm not saying, think like me. I'm saying this is what I think about stuff. What do you think? How many years was it before comedy became financially viable for you? Uh, Eleven. <laughs> That's not unusual, is it? Why is that? <laughs> yeah, eleven. It's just been the last year, really. Yeah. Yeah. Why, why did I keep going? <laughs> yeah. It's a lesson there. What's the lesson? Well... I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, keep going. I don't know. I, yeah. But it's funny that I became financially... Started making money when um, I thought that I wouldn't. Mm. Uh, when I thought I'd be really unpopular. So that is very interesting. Mm. When I did something that I thought wouldn't be financially viable. Rather than trying to do what everyone else was doing. Trying to... Well, not, maybe not everyone else, yeah. but rather than trying to please people and trying to appeal to people, yeah. actually putting that to one side and going, no, well, you know... This is it. This is it. Yeah. I'm going to do what I want. Yeah. Thank you. Very interesting. That's all Thank we've got you. time for. Sorry. Ladies and gentlemen, Bridget Christie. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. So that was Bridget. Thank you so much to her for coming along. I really enjoyed that interview. I think that was a really 
measured and considered interview. I really appreciate uh, uh, I really appreciated Bridget opening up like that, and um, I'm I, I really think actually gives a lot of texture compared to other interviews we've had. Some people are very bubbly and effusive, uh, and Bridget was uh, much more measured and thoughtful in her responses, and I really appreciate uh, that. And so many thanks to her for coming along. Uh, thanks also, of course, to James Lowey, Pete Jones and Ben Lund-Conlon uh, for Podmin this time. And this episode was, of course, recorded live at Bob and Misbehaves Bookshop under the Heroes of Fringe organisation at Edinburgh 2014 and was co-produced by Nathan Wood. I'm Stuart Goldsmith. Next week, I think, let's have Steen Raskopoulos. You're going to love Steen. Loads of fun. Uh, he got nominated for Newcomer about 90 minutes after we recorded this episode. Called it. So look forward to Steen next week and I'll speak to you soon. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium.